0: A lot of people have a lot of knowledge, but not one wit of wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. Knowledge is factual data. A lot of people have a lot of knowledge. But every good gift comes from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variables, neither shadow of change. And he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. We're told in the Bible that wisdom will protect you, guard you, guide you, keep you, protect you from the snares of the enemy, from the traps of the devil, laid for you. Wisdom will protect you, warn you, deter you, and preserve you. That's the power of wisdom. And so I wanna talk today about the wisdom of living one day at a time. The Lord just won't let me off this wisdom series. I can't get away from it because we need wisdom. Now let's look at what Jesus said, and he was talking about wisdom and the clicker isn't working, so y'all are going to have to help me. That is why Jesus said, I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you've got enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Is is life more than food? That's the news to some of you who are headed to a restaurant as soon as we're done. But life is more than food. And the body is more than clothing. Now what did Jesus say the second time he said it? Don't worry. Be happy. Oh, I'm sorry. I misread that up there. But he did say don't worry. About these things saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? I'm really worried about this. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Notice that. Those things, what am I going to eat, drink, and wear, dominate the thoughts of the lost something dominates everybody's day here and if you're lost if you don't know God it's what am I going to eat what am I going to drink what am I going to wear how am I going to pay the bills how am I going to do the mortgage what am I going to do when I retire but what does Jesus say your heavenly father already knows all your needs Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you, read it with me, everything you need. Now let's go to the last part and this is what I'm, this is what I really want to bring home today. Verse 34, read it with me. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Good stuff, good advice. Isn't that good advice? Father, we just thank you for delivering us from that spirit of worry, the habit of worry, teaching us to live one day at a time. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Now, can you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, deliver my heart and mind from worry. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. It's the middle of a red-hot summer. I'm so thankful to see all of you here today. A lot of our folks are on vacation, including my daughter, and our prayers are with them today. But I do want to talk to you about the wisdom of living one day at a time. You hold in your hand, if you've got your Bible with you, the greatest philosophy book in the history of the world. This is it, right here. It's the all time bestseller for a reason. It's not only a book that will lead you to heaven, but it's also a book that will help you how to live on earth successfully. It's a book for the hereafter, and it's a book also for the here and the now. I've read a lot of the philosophers. I've seen what a lot of them had to say. And I want to tell you, this book, 66 books comprising one, is the greatest philosophy book for living available to mankind. And Jesus is here telling us the master of life, Jesus, the greatest philosopher to ever live, is here telling us how to live one day at a time, how to successfully enjoy life. Several years ago, the country gospel singer Christy Lane scored an international hit with an old Chris Christopherson song entitled One Day at a Time. You heard it. I was a DJ during those times, and I played that thing so often, I got so sick of it. But the philosophy was good. It goes like this, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking from you. Just give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. Lord, help me today. Show me the way, one day at a time. It launched off the charts And its popularity could not have been because of the music. The music was very ordinary, simple chord progression, nothing amazing about the music. It was the words and it was the message that appealed to millions of people around the world. The words that deep down we all know are true and we all wish that we could live that way. One day at a time. That's the way Jesus taught to live, so therefore it had to be the way Jesus lived his life. Knowing that one day he would go to the cross, he didn't live in a dreaded future. He lived one day at a time. And I want you to notice that Jesus discusses the problem of worry when leading up to his advice to take life one day at a time. So the ability to live one day at a time and freedom from worry are connected. How many of you would like to be free from the torment of worry? The rest of you, don't worry about it. (laughs) The words that Jesus used, take no thought, when he said take no thought, out of the Greek language, that refers to a doubting, anxious, fearful, and disturbed state of mind about the future. You see, worry could not exist if it wasn't always living in tomorrow. Worry borrows from tomorrow. Worry lives in tomorrow. Worry exists because of a fear or a dread or a doubt or an angst or anxiety about a tomorrow that's not here yet. If you take away thinking about tomorrow, 95% of worry would evaporate. One poster I read described the way a lot of people live. It said, why pray when you can worry? Some of you live that way. Fresh out of business school, a young man answered a want ad for an accountant. He was being interviewed by a very nervous man who ran a small business that he had started himself. I need somebody with an accounting degree, the man said, but mainly I'm looking for someone to do my worrying for me. Excuse me, the accountant said. I worry about a lot of things, the man replied, but I don't want to have to worry about money. Your job will be to take all the money worries off my back. I see, the accountant said, and how much does this job pay? Well, I'll start you at $80,000. $80,000, the accountant exclaimed. How can such a small business afford a sum like that? That, the man said, is your first worry. Statistics show that between 20 and 30 percent of all Americans will live today under significant stress. I think it's higher than that, the way things are in our culture right now. 13 million of us will worry intensely. That means really get at it for at least 90 minutes. Worrying 90 minutes. It may be about our marriages, children, jobs, mortgages, grades, friends, certainly money. Or any other thing that worry decides to latch itself onto It's really an equal opportunity destroyer. Whatever the source, worry is an emotion that every one of us is familiar with. I've told you often that I come from a family of worriers on my dad's side. We had a family joke that if you didn't want to worry about it, call New York where they all are and tell them and they'll worry for you. They'll take it off your back. I had to, I had to do serious spiritual battle with a spirit of worry, with a habit of worrying about everything. And I learned that the Word of God has a power, seriously. That the Word of God will erase old ways of thinking and replace it with new ways of thinking. The Word erases and it replaces. It has a power no other book has. The Word of God is mighty to pull down strongholds, and worry is a stronghold. What is a stronghold? It's whatever holds you strong. Worry can take the life out of you, the skip out of your step, the gleam out of your eye, the smile off your face, the joy out of your life. It can vex everybody around you because everybody suffers with you when you worry. We might say, really, when you think about it, that warriors practice a sort of backward, upside-down faith. They're believing for something that's not there yet, but they believe is coming. But it's negative and not positive. Worriers fear that tomorrow will be bad, that they won't have what they need, or that something terrible is going to happen. You know, I've noticed I have four dogs at home worry for me. I have four dogs at home. We love dogs. I've noticed they never worry about being fed. If I could get into their conversation and don't tell me they don't talk to each other, I know they do. They communicate. I know they're talking. I know that they've never said, hey, have you noticed the food bag in the garage getting kind of low? I wonder if he's coming through today. No, they just enjoy life. And they fully expect that you are going to take care of them. That's the way the Lord wants us to be. Not dog-like, but child-like. But worriers are always thinking something terrible is going to happen. I like what Charlie Brown said in the Peanuts comic strip. I've developed a new philosophy, he said. I only dread one day at a time. Charlie missed it. You're supposed to let the dread go. But listen to what James said in chapter 4, verse 4. You do not know the least thing about what may happen tomorrow. You do not know what tomorrow holds, good or bad, but you do know who holds tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow holds, but if you're a child of God, you're supposed to trust who holds tomorrow. You know, it occurred to me that to worry all the time about tomorrow is really a slap in the face of God, and I'm talking to myself here because, as I've told you, I was a chief worrier. I had to destroy the habit of worrying through the Word of God. But it's a slap to God because God says, I'm inhabiting your tomorrow. When you arrive, I've already been there. I've been waiting for you to get here. And therefore, if I'm inhabiting your tomorrow, what I want you to know is I've got it. I've got your tomorrow. I have your tomorrow. I know what's coming your way. I know what you're going to experience. I know who you're going to encounter. I know what's going to be done against you and for you. I know all of that because I know the end from the beginning. So I'm already there waiting for you to arrive, so I want you to know that don't worry about it because I've got it. I'm already there. I want you to think about something. Today is the tomorrow you were worried about yesterday. Is it as bad as you thought it was going to be? I guarantee you it wasn't. One writer said, I've had many troubles in my lifetime, but most of them never happened. What did he mean? I worried about so many things, thought so many negative things were going to happen, but they never did. Most of the troubles that I had were imaginary, illusory. They weren't real. I was only worried that they were going to happen, but they didn't. Now, let me be clear about something. Jesus is not teaching here irresponsibility. He is not saying that we shouldn't plan ahead. He gave us a mind to plan ahead we should for instance save money we should plan ahead our education our children our retirement days if we can we should plan ahead for many things that's not what he's saying he's not saying be irresponsible and childlike in that respect but what he is telling us is live today in a daily dependence on God that he will take care of the needs of each day and tackle only the problems that are yours today. Live one day at a time. Yesterday's gone. There's not a thing I can do about it. The uh, decisions I made, good or bad, are back there. I can't do a thing about it. And the future is not here yet. Remember, James said, you have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. What do we have? We have today. That's it. Today's trouble, said Jesus, is enough for today. Don't weigh down today with tomorrow's troubles because you don't know what God's going to do tomorrow. God's at work on your behalf for your tomorrows. Jesus' advice to live one day at a time is the key to deliverance from the thief of worry. It's the key. Can you say with me, one day at a time? One day at a time is the winning philosophy for anybody who wants to enjoy life. You've got to think one day at a time. I mean, we can all sit down and worry about whatever you want to, but you don't know if it's going to be true or not. The psalmist David wrote down some of the best advice on living one day at a time that I found anywhere in the Bible. It's in one simple verse, and you know this verse because you've probably sung this verse. want you to say it with me psalms 118 verse 24 say this is the day the lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it what is the it today this is the day the lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it now let's just split that verse apart and take it in sections and let's look at living one day at a time first He said, this day is a day that the Lord has made. Do you know that word made means appointed, granted, prepared. How would we face each day if we woke up and said, well, this is the day the Lord has made. He has granted it to me. He's prepared it for me. He has appointed it for me. That means there is a purpose in it for me. There is no day that is just another day, but it is the day the Lord has made. He granted it to you. He allowed you to breathe when you woke up. Let's just start right there. Go, Pastor Jeff, now don't get extreme. I'm not getting extreme. The Bible says your very next breath is in the hands of the living God. Your very next breath. So He granted you another day. Can we just look up and say, Lord, thank you for granting me another day? Now, if he granted you another day, don't you think that he's got a purpose for that day? If he didn't have any more purpose for you, you wouldn't have woke up. That's it. God has prepared your days. Think about it. God has prepared. Let's take today. God has prepared your day today, and he has appointed a purpose Now, I grant you, I guarantee you, part of the purpose is that you're sitting here where you are, worshiping God, listening to the Word of God. But there is a plan and a purpose for every day you wake up to. So I don't understand people who are always going, I'm bored, oh, I'm so bored. If you're bored, you're missing God. Because God gave you a purpose for each and every day. Now, think about how the atheist wakes up. The atheist wakes up and says, well, random chance made this day. How about the pessimist? Well, I know it's not going to be a good day. How about the weary person? Not another day. But the child of God wakes up and says, this is the day. My God, who flung the stars into space, scooped out the oceans, made the birds fly, made the fish to swim, created endless galaxies in space, that God made, appointed, granted, gave me this day. (laughs) Say, well, sometimes I don't know what to do with my days, and I don't know what a day is going to bring. I can tell you three things that ought to have, that ought to fill every one of your days, three things you can do and should do in every day. The child of God sees each day as a gift from God, in which he can accomplish these three simple things. First, walk with him. Why did God give you today and me? Because he's calling us to walk with him. Walk with God. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross every single day and follow me. Why did he allow you and I to breathe another day? So that we could grow in him, come to know him, Walk with Him, enjoy His presence, listen to Him, fellowship with Him. What an incredible privilege that we can get up in the morning and walk with the God of the universe and listen to His voice and enjoy His presence. So we start our day with Him, not Good Morning America or the Today Show. The Today Show will not get you ready for today. And good morning, America, is not who you want to be hearing telling you good morning. You want to hear the Holy Spirit saying, good morning, son, good morning, daughter. Let's talk, let's fellowship. Let, let, let's, let's, let's walk together. So can you say with me, walk with him. And then work for him. We ought to do every day. The Bible says, make the most of your days Seizing each opportunity for the Lord, for the days you live in are evil. What is God telling us? When you wake up in the morning to the day that I have made, created, fashioned, granted, prepared, destined for you, and I have a purpose for you in it, walk with me and work for me. Reach out to somebody. Witness to somebody. Every day that you wake up, salt woke up. Light woke up. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And can I tell you that our God has a big salt shaker and you're in it. And every day he says, where can I salt them? I've got a salt shaker full of salt and light. Where can I put them? And he does this and he shakes you somewhere and he gives you divine encounters. You run into people. You encounter people. You go here, you go there, and everywhere you go, you're to shine and you're to be salt. You are destined to make a difference. You, now this may be weird, but can you say with me, I am in God's salt shaker. He's going to salt me somewhere. (laughs) That means you start looking around, you start going, okay, Lord, make me sensitive to your spirit because I know that nobody I meet is going to be a mistake. And whoever I encounter, you may just be telling me to share Jesus. You may want me to open up and just talk to them about you. But, Lord, I know that I'm salt and I know that I'm light. And I'm going to walk with you today and I'm going to work for you today because the, the culture and the world I'm living in is evil and it's crying out for salt and light. And the third thing, worship him. Walk with him, work for him, worship him. Jesus said the Father is on the hunt for people who will worship him. I love to worship God. I'm not trying to sound spiritual, and for some of you that that may sound strange, but I'm telling you, God called me in the presence of worship. When I came into the things of God, and he filled me with his spirit way back in the early 70s, in the middle of the Jesus movement, the first thing I learned to do was worship him. And I was a guy, and I thought it was maybe not too macho to lift your hands like the girls were doing so i did half mass for a while i was a half mass worshiper here i was if you looked at me i had long hair skinny as a rail ex-hippie wire rim glasses all this stuff And, and, and to me i didn't know if it was cool for a guy to do it so i was just like this which looks worse when you think about it than this but here i was and then one day i just said now god please i want what they have because i was going to a meeting where people were worshiping God, tears streaming down their face, their lives being changed, a bunch of ex-hippies and dope heads like me. And so I said, I want what they have. And God said, say that one more time. I, I really do want what they have. And I mean, I got released to worship God. And once I began to worship God, I could not worship God enough. You and I were wired to worship God. We were not wired to walk around... Islands and separated and, and, and isolated from God. But no, you don't live until you are rejoined to your maker in worship because the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day they utter speech. Night unto night they show knowledge. The whole creation is worshiping God. You might as well join in. That's right. Now, When I began to worship God, it was in the presence of worship that he called me to preach, called me to minister his word. A fire was birthed in my heart that I could not put out. I'm telling you, it's powerful when you worship God. So if any given day, every day that we live, we ought to at least do these three things, walk with him, work for him, worship him, That's how you live one day at a time. Lord, I don't know about tomorrow. I know you've got tomorrow, but today, no matter what happens, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to work for you. And I'm going to worship you. When I wake up in the morning, good morning, Jesus. When I go to bed at night, good night, Jesus. Thank you for a great day. And if you do those three things in any given day, that's a day well lived. And Satan We'll have a real problem with you. And I love giving Satan heaven. Because he always gives me. So I like giving him a little bit of heaven. And you do that when you worship God. Now not only did he tell us how to view each day. This is the day the Lord has made. But he told us how to respond to each day. He said, I will. Can you say with me, "I I will. I will rejoice. And I will be glad. Now there's an I will in there. I will rejoice and I will be glad. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. You may not always live in perfect health, be rich, or have everything you ever wanted. But it is God's will for you to will, to rejoice, and be glad in Him all the days He has given you. Did you know that there is within you a well that has been dug? It was dug by the Holy Spirit when you got saved. Jesus dug a well, and it's the well that contains the living waters that spring up into everlasting life. There is a source in you that the lost do not have. It is the living waters of the Spirit. And God wants us to learn to access that living water and not wait for something to happen out here that makes us happy. Can I tell you that God doesn't deal in happiness God deals in joy. And there's a big difference between happiness and joy. Happiness depends on a happening happening out here. I get a new car. I get a raise. I get a new house. I finally get married. Or I wanted you all to fill in the blank. I'm, I'm wanting you with me. Something out here has got to make me happy. A happening makes me happy. No happenings, no happy. Happenings, happy. God doesn't want us dependent on happenings because in a world of persecution and evil, we're not always going to have happenings that make us happy. But here's what we do have. We have access to joy. Joy comes from within, not from without. Joy comes from the Lord, not from a happening. Joy is a Holy Spirit thing. It is a fruit of the Spirit. And God wants us to have joy and we can walk in joy no matter what is taking place out here even if it's really really bad do you believe that well how can I do that pastor Jeff sometimes you gotta make the sacrifice of praise he said I will rejoice I will be glad he didn't say I'm gonna wait for rejoicing and gladness to come and put me in a headlock and make me rejoice and make me be glad he said I will rejoice and I will be glad. It's my choice to access God and have joy. It's easy to praise the Lord when all the kids are healthy, when the Lord is blessing, when all the bills are paid, when you got that new car, when everything's going your way and the wind is at your back. It's easy to praise God then. But a sacrifice of praise is an act of the will that we offer when a loved one is sick Or when we feel abandoned by God or the bills are mounting up and we don't know how we're going to pay them or a spouse up and walks out and you don't know why and you're left there with empty hands and an empty life except you've got someone in your life that others don't have. His name is Jesus. And when everybody walks out, he walks in. And that's when you say, Well, it may be bad out here, but I am going to make the sacrifice of praise and I will rejoice and I will be glad. And your hands go up in the midnight hour. Your hands go up in an empty house. Your hands go up in that old broken down car and you begin to praise him and something comes on you. Some of you are looking at me like, Listen. You were not saved by an impotent, faraway God. He steps into your trouble with you. He steps into your dark hour with you. He walks through that valley with you. He carries you through the fiery oven. That's when we say, I will rejoice. I will be glad. Now let me just take these two words and I want to close. Rejoice and be glad. I will rejoice. Rejoice. And I will be glad. Rejoice is a heart word. Glad is a face word. Put another way, if rejoicing is in your heart, gladness is going to be on your face. You know what God's greatest billboard is in this sin-infested, devil-infected world? Your face, your countenance. What did David say? David said, You are the lifter up of my countenance. In other words, you put a smile on my face. You put joy on my face. The absence of gladness on the outside is a dead giveaway. Their rejoicing is absent from the inside. Your face will give you away every time. The great man of faith, George Mueller, once said that his first task each and every day was to get happy in the Lord. I love that. He so said, how long are you going to pray, George, till I'm happy? Till the joy of the Lord is bubbling up. Till I've got the peace and the joy of the Lord, then I'll come out and then I'll face the devil out there full of joy. Now think about the word rejoice. It's a compound word from the word joy. When re is placed in front of a word, it means to redo something again. As in repeat, rehearse, replay. So the re in front of joy shows that once... We joiced. How many of you remember when you got saved for the first time in your life, you joiced. That is, you had the what? The joy of the Lord. And he said, I didn't know that Jesus could be this real. I had no idea that I could have this kind of peace. I had no idea that I could have this kind of joy coming up within me. I did not know the Holy Spirit could be this real. And you joiced. You joyed. Well, the Bible says is now that you've rejoiced once, rejoice. Some of you are going to pray about this on the way home and say, "Hey, now I know what he meant." <laughs> See, God wants us to recycle joy, and that happens when we recycle joy. Recycling joy happens by a great big "I will." So say with me, "I will <laughs> rejoice. I will make a sacrifice." of praise give the lord a hand of praise go ahead i will rejoice we are to do it again and again and again and again as a matter of fact we're supposed to be a bunch of rejoicers and then he said glad i got a challenge for you today when you go home i want you to go and look in the mirror and i want you to check out your face value Matter of fact, put on the face you put on when you walk in the office in the morning or when you come into church. Put on that face. Just put on your face and go look in the mirror. Check out your face value. And I'm not talking about whether you're pretty or ugly, handsome or homely. I'll leave that up to your spouse. (laughs) But I'm talking about whether anything on the inside of your life has made its way to the outside of your life. Here's my issue. Way too many Christians go around with a pathetic, somber, religious prune face, look on their face, and you meet him and you want to go, is that what God did to you? (laughs) Have you ever noticed they've forgotten how to smile? Well, why aren't you smiling? The world's coming to an end. (laughs) Well, you ought to be rejoicing. You're about to see Jesus. Oh, things are somber, brother. Things are serious. I know they are. But let me tell you something. The devil wants your joy. Satan wants your smile. Because if he can take your joy away from you, your faith is not infectious. The most infectious faith in the world is joy-filled faith. But see, some of you, you walk in, and we can't tell if you've got acid indigestion or a migraine headache. It looks like one or the other. You look like you're on a liquid diet of castor oil and straight lemon juice. And we want to say, what's wrong with you? If we asked some of you to smile, your face would crack and half of it would fall down to the ground. Nobody would know what to do if you actually cracked a smile. But do you know that God saved you to put a smile on your face? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Isn't that what he said? So if you're walking in, oh brother, pray for me. Where's your joy? Because if you had joy, you would have strength. Talking to you about living one day at a time, the wisdom of it. Now, I hear some of you think, Pastor, the reason I don't smile is because I'm not happy. Don't wait for a happening to make you happy. Rejoice in the Lord your God. Joy comes from surrendering yourself fully to the genuine life of Jesus Christ in you. And when that happens, it works its way out of you. Happiness comes from an outer happening, joy comes from inward abiding. In Jesus Christ. This is real Christianity. We didn't just get a ticket to heaven. But we got a blessing and a power to live on earth with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So smile. Some of you are going to a restaurant as soon as it's done. Go in there and smile. If you go in looking like you just drank lemon juice, don't tell them you were here. Hey, what happened to you? I was just down there at Turning Point. <laughs> Boy, they'll, they'll be here next week, won't they? I'm serious. I, I think my all-time favorite uh, poster of Jesus is he's got Peter on this side and John on this side. His hand is thrown around both of them's shoulders. His head is thrown back in a great big belly laugh and they're laughing with him see he was the Lord of joy and he lived one day at a time one day at a time sweet Jesus so if I will walk with God work for God worship him every day and leave tomorrow with him the torment of worry will leave me and I'll walk in peace. Can we stand together? Uh, I want to close with a quick story I was reading. A pastor went to a foreign country. True story. He wrote this story and he was preaching to a large crowd of people on the mission field And there was a woman who was near him, but had been turned around away from him while he was speaking. And then, at the end of his message, she turned around and walked up to him. And he wrote, he said, it was the most ghastly face I'd ever seen. She was a leper. She had no nose, she had no ears, she had no fingers. And she said to him, can we sing It Is well? He said in this, he admitted, I, I quickly walked to where I was staying. I left. I got out of there. His song leader came and found him later and said, well, you'll never sing that one again, will you? And he said, I'll never sing sing it the same again. Because here's a woman with nothing, had lost everything. But she had joy where she wanted to sing it as well with my soul. If she can do it, we can do it. So I want you to think how blessed you are And I want you to think that God's got your tomorrow. Enjoy your today. Father, we just thank you for your goodness on us, your watch care over us. Thank you, Lord, that you're here today to grace us, to take life one day at a time. To not live under the torment of unbelieving worry, but under the peace of God the joy of the Holy Spirit. With every head bowed, if you can say, Pastor Jeff, I needed this today, and I have certainly and am certainly struggling with worry, and I receive his grace to help me today, can you raise your hand? Many of you, many of you, I mean many of you, so many that I'm not going to give the invitation down here, I want to pray for you right where you are. I I long for us and myself. I am growing just like you. I'm struggling and trying and reaching to practice the presence of God just like you. I'm learning to worship often, frequently, throughout the day because that's how I get His peace and presence on me. And I want the same thing for you. And so I encourage you Worship Him. Wherever you are, in the car, in the elevator, at work, find a place and worship God. Walk with Him. No matter what you're doing, He's with you in it. As long as it's good, He's with you. In Jesus' name.